Hello everyone, this is Giulio. This is the Turing Church podcast. I'm here with uh, Derek Svalen to share uh, impressions we had after reading uh, the biography of Elon Musk by Walter Isaacson um, and other things relating to Elon Musk and the space expansion in general. So how are you doing, Derek? Um, yeah, I'm doing, um, you know, okay in general. Um, I'm here in Bangkok now and um, kind of on my oh, way to cool. spending. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's my first time here in like 10 years. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really diverse city. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So have you finished reading the the biography of Elon Musk and how did you like it? Yeah, so in my case, um, actually, like, I read, like, one-third of the book and then I finished the last two-thirds with the audiobook. Um, huh. Just because I, you know, I have a lot of screen time, um, you know, in my daily life. Um, so it was just more comfortable for me. Um, yeah, so... It was... Um, let me think about it. I don't, I don't know exactly where to start. I mean, we all know, you know, a lot about Elon Musk already. And he's still um, alive. Um, and he's still quite active on, on X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, so that's a really interesting dynamic um, compared to, like, Walter Isaacson's um, biography about Steve Jobs, where a lot of people, you know, read that book, like, posthumously. Um, after Steve Jobs passed away, so right. that makes it, it really a, unique another, uh, situation. Of uh, biography of a living person written by Isaacson that I know of, and that uh, would be the biography of Jennifer Doudna, the biochemist who discovered the CRISPR, came out uh, came out a couple of years ago, I believe. I have read half that book. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I, I kind of looked into that book a little bit, but yeah, that sounds really interesting. I got to add it to my list. Do you find anything about Elon Musk in Isaacson's book that you did not know or did not think? Um, in my case, you know, I've been a big fan of Elon Musk and for, for you know, a long time since, you know, the beginnings of Tesla um and you know later with spacex um so i kind of knew um everything um yeah yeah um nothing really new um in terms of like the historical aspect of it of you know the dates of when tesla started the dates of when spacex started the you know his early days with um with uh, zip2 and paypal um, I was quite aware of things like the PayPal mafia and, and all that, that kind of stuff. Also, in my case, uh, I didn't really find anything new that I did not know or think, both uh, in terms of history and also in terms of the character of uh, Elon Musk. But... Uh, you know, it was not informative, perhaps, because I knew or guessed at most of that, but uh, it was a great read. For mm -hmm. uh, a couple of days, I was doing nothing but reading the book. 
Yeah, I had a quite interesting experience reading it or listening to it as well. Um, because in the book, like, it mentions that Elon Musk, like, frequently plays this mobile game called The Battle of Polytopia. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, which people call Polytopia. And so while I was listening to the book, I downloaded the game and I was playing Polytopia. And then I told How my wife, like, you, yeah, that's uh, yeah. interesting. I told I my wife, think yeah. of that because I don't like uh, playing games that much. But what yeah. kind of game is it? Right. And so I told my wife to download it too. And we've been playing Polytopia together nonstop. Um, so Polytopia is a game where you know, each player um, takes turns developing their tribe and develops it into a civilization, and then the two civilizations go to war to, uh, with each other. And so you can, you know, add your friends, and it's a turn-based game. You can also play against the computer. So in the book, like, through, you know, it's like an advertisement for this game, pretty much. Um, Elon Musk regularly plays, like, with his brother, um, you know, with different people in his life, maybe with his coworkers or something like that. And he actually plays the game in between meetings. So maybe he'll have a meeting about Tesla, a meeting about SpaceX, a meeting about something else. And in between, he's playing Polytopia. So uh, that's fun. Is it a realistic game like uh, World of Warcraft or Better or a cartoonish one? I'm not much of a gamer, so it's kind of hard for me to explain it. Um, it's kind of like a lower bit level game, um, but it loads very quickly. And um, let's see, how can I explain this? Um, so you develop technologies. So your tribe develops like hunting or harvesting fruit or farming or, um, you know, spirituality or all these different technologies. And as you develop them, you get, you know, um, more rewards, more points, um, kind of stars, which kind of act as money. And the more money you have, the more, uh, re like, mm, you can spend on defenses, on offensive attacks to your opponent. And so each player is doing it at the same time. And so, you know, it was like reading the book and playing the game at the same time. I was thinking like, oh, this is a great metaphor for his life, too. You know, um, his his activity on Twitter or X and how he is an offensive and defensive player with people and in his businesses. So he has this kind of gamer. He's a pretty like professional ever ga gamer. So I think he has the same approach towards his professional life as well. Interesting. I didn't uh, even think of playing Polytopia. Uh, I was about to say that I don't play games that much, but as a matter of fact, I have played the games a lot, but not because I was interested in the games themselves. I just wanted to take a look at the virtual reality technology upon which some games were based. Uh, so when I was uh, uh, professionally involved with these things, yes, I did uh, play a lot of games. But I have never been interested in uh, a game for uh, its own sake. I guess uh, this must be one of the so many aspects that make me very different from Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, and I think playing the game, it's quite psychologically revealing because I'm playing with my wife. 
and she is a better strategist than I am. She beats me like easily. Um, because when I play the game, I really try to expand quickly. I try to develop quickly. And so my resources are spread thin. And so that makes me vulnerable to certain attacks, to overwhelming attack. But my wife, she more expands, she expands but defends her territory evenly at, at, a, at the even pace. Um, so I like to win quickly in kind of sprints, but she kind of is a better player for the long game. Um, so I wonder, you know, what it's like for Elon Musk playing with his friends or family or coworkers and what kind of conversations they're having about Polytopia. And do you think Elon is more of a speed player like you or more of a strategist like your wife? Um, he probably can switch based on his opponent. I, I think he probably understands the psychology of who he's playing and then can just, you know, adapt and adjust his, his methods, um, his playing style. He's probably very unpredictable. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the parts of the book that um, I found uh, more interesting is uh, the many descriptions of the work environment that Elon creates around him at uh, Tesla, SpaceX, uh, XAI, now X, formerly known as Twitter, and all that. Uh, you know, on the one hand, it seems like uh, it does not seem like the work environment that one would enjoy not the one that I would enjoy, at least. Because, uh, you know, my impression is that uh, he really demands far too much from his people. Like, you know, uh, forgetting everything else, forgetting that you have a family, forgetting that you must sleep at night. He demands absolute, relentless dedication to the job. And uh, if he doesn't get that, he can be very abusive. He can be a very abusive boss. And, you know, that's uh, written by Isaacson very clearly and also confirmed by other sources that I have seen. So it, I don't think there can be any doubt on that. I'm sure you had the same kind of impression, didn't you? Well, I think he takes, um, you know, his companies very seriously, and I think he takes life very seriously. And people do can be offensive, especially in positions of power, um, right. you know. And so, like, he even named one of his sons X. Um, and, it, you know, if you, like, um, reflect back, Steve Jobs did the same thing. He named one of the early computers Lisa. Um, and so they have this kind of all-in all out mentality and i think he wants people that are on board with him and if you're not on board with him you're out um right but uh it's not only that i mean uh for example uh suppose i had been working at spacex uh which is something that uh, i would really have liked to do at least in a part of my life i think uh, he started SpaceX in uh, 
2000 something, I believe 2002. Uh, I was born in 57, so perhaps uh, I was already too old at that time. But uh, thinking to myself, I believe that, uh, you know, if I were uh, uh, 20 years younger or maybe only 10 years younger and without a family, and of course, uh, if I lived in the United States, I would have done everything to work at SpaceX. Mm. Yeah, too bad uh, that didn't happen. Now, I would very likely have been fired very soon. Or if not, uh, I would have quit. But not because of a lack of commitment to what uh, Elon Musk wanted to do with SpaceX. I would have been absolutely, totally committed to that. But, uh, you know, it's this thing of uh, forgetting everything else that uh, I guess I wouldn't have been able to sustain in the long run. And I have never been one who takes uh, abusive. Uh, behavior uh, nicely mm. i mean i have left jobs i have left mm. very uh, very well-paying jobs for that kind of things so either i would have left or i would have been fired mm. and that would have happened uh, very quick i guess uh, I'm, I'm like uh, six months one year maybe one month but looking back after that I would have considered those uh, few months as uh, one of the highlights of my life and something uh, that I would have been always proud of having done. Because, you know, regardless of what one thinks of Elon Musk as a person, regardless of his management style, uh, regardless of the of a work environment that, yes, can be considered as uh, a toxic environment. I am so I'm in so complete agreement what, with uh, what Elon Musk wants to do, which is expanding humanity beyond the Earth and uh, transforming, because that's really the word that we must use, transforming single-handedly, almost, humanity into a multiplanetary civilization. I mean, that, uh, uh, I think, is the most important thing in the world. And uh, I would have done my best to make Elon happy if I worked at SpaceX. I'm afraid my best would not have been enough, but uh, I would have certainly tried. Yeah, that's interesting. Um... Yeah, so I totally, you know, agree with your kind of analysis of it. And I really like your framing, um, you know, of mm, Elon Musk's attitude or something about that. Um, what you said about, you know, being abusive and stuff like that. Um, but I think on the other side, though, you know, a lot of the criticism, you know, it, uh, that people generally give is that, well, he's mean. You know, and, and people said the same thing about Steve Jobs, too. Um, right. And I think we shouldn't, you know, generalize that too much because, I mean, you know, sometimes we live in a culture these days where, you know, people are acting too much on their feelings and there's this kind of virtue signaling 
where if you say you believe something, then you know you get some kind of points, like social points, with people, um, or or with um, you know, whatever, socially. Um, so I think that you know this kind of Elon's thinking about like, you know, we need to be like rational and think. He always says based on first principles and be scientific. Um, and you know, I think that if he does see something wrong in you know this kind of you know, process kind of um, method of engineering or in in the design things, you know, and then he says like, you know, what the fuck is wrong with this? Like, why did you do this? And people feel hurt. It's like, well, yeah, they're going to feel hurt because they're trying so hard and they're doing and they put all of their time and effort towards that too. But like, so is he, you know? Um, so, yeah, so I totally agree with you, but I think that like, um, you know, on the other side, if he was more nice, maybe we wouldn't be getting the results or we wouldn't see the development that we see. Right. And I believe uh, one of the best way to summarize the whole book is a statement reported at the very beginning of the book. Uh, I believe it's the first thing written in the book where uh, Elon Musk says, I believe that was some kind of interview. He says, look, I'm uh, creating uh, the electric vehicle industry single-handedly. I'm uh, uh, transforming humanity into a multi-planetary civilization. Mm -hmm. did, you, did you really think I would be a nice guy? Mm. And, that, uh, and that, I believe, says it all. It really says it all. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I would like to know your thoughts on this, is that, um, you know, we have this history of, you know, monarchies kind of being in charge of governments. And I feel that oftentimes people, you know, expect that of CEOs and of founders, that they should have this kind of beyond reproach attitude, that they have this high, you know, moralism, you know, that they're very ethical, that they, that they, you know, do not have any mistakes that can be found, right? That they're just super perfect and super clean, right? And so I really admire, like, Elon Musk, that he doesn't follow that kind of paradigm, um, you know, where he's able to go on, on Twitter and he's able to, you know, say all this kind of stuff and be like a human being. And some people don't like that, you know, he, his flaws are out there and, um, or that he jokes, you know, he could joke about, you know, just, um, you know, some silly humor. Um, and people get, you know, really upset about that. But I think it's really a healthy thing. Um, what do you think about that? He's quite different than you know, on other the, Yeah, on the one hand, uh, yes, the fact that he shows his humanity, or uh, some people would say his lack of humanity in uh, public, uh, yes, is definitely a healthy thing. I do have the impression that. Uh, Sometimes uh, you should think a little bit more before writing or saying something in public, for example, on X. Because sometimes his uh, interventions are uh, 
really out of place and out of time and that could damage him for example i'm sure you have noticed that uh, you know a few years ago everyone loved elon musk uh, mm-hmm. he was uh, on the cover of time magazine in i believe 2018 as man of the year and uh, you heard only good things about elon musk then starting at a certain point which um, i believe is uh, first when he started speaking more about politics and uh, second when he announced that uh, he would uh, buy twitter there has been a very fast downhill descent and these days uh, you know the there is uh, no more a lionization of Elon Musk, but there is a demonization of Elon Musk. And uh, you see that in uh, a lot of press and a lot of media. And that, I believe, uh, is uh, also due to the fact that his personal style is a bit too blunt. And sometimes he says, all right, things without really thinking about that and that contributes to this impression mm, now mm, that would be the point of view of uh, someone in the street who happens to be reading some especially provocative thing that he says now of course i believe there are entirely different reasons uh, for which the establishment is uh, turning against Elon Musk now. That is, uh, you know, simply he's uh, disturbing existing uh, equ- equilibria of uh, power and he's making uh, more difficult for uh, many people to continue as uh, they were doing. And uh, you see that especially since, uh, you know, he started walking in the very uh, delicate world of uh, politics and uh, culture in general, like, uh, you know, an elephant in a China room. A lot of people don't like that, not because they don't like his personal style. I believe uh, the people in uh, power don't really give a damn about that, but because he's threatening their power. Uh, and that's something that they do not forgive. Unfortunately, he gives them ammunition that they can use against him with his uh, very blunt uh, personal style so that these people can manage to persuade people like you and I that he's a bad guy. That's my analysis of it. What do you think about, you know, in the book, it says that, you know, Elon Musk kind of likes to take risks and kind of be on the edge and kind of put, you know, the chips all in on things and that it kind of fuels him, that it kind of motivates him. Um, And we're seeing that like at a huge scale now, Um, you know, where the effects of that, you know, um, like you know, really affect, like, the whole trajectory of, like, humanity and civilization. Um, you know, we see that, you know, with Twitter and X, with, you know, communication and the media and 
all that stuff, the internet, right? And then we see that with SpaceX about venturing out into space. Um, and then, you know, we see that with Tesla, with the electrification of, of you know, the world, pretty much. Um, so, you know, that, I think that's just a very interesting quality, that he gets this fuel and it, from taking these risks and kind of being on the edge and kind of like a gamer, right? Kind of, in some sense, being, you know, like um, it says in the books that, you know, Grimes, one of his partners, you know, wrote the music video Player of Games. Um, you know, that he's kind of this almost master gamer, um, you know, and, and then it seems like, you know, in this music video, in this song, that, well, it's not just about video games, that it's about, you know, his approach to life as well, and maybe to relationships, and maybe specifically with their relationship, um, you know, so it's a very interesting quality. Um, and, it, and I think it's kind of like... In, on, you know, it's kind of hard because on one, sen- on one hand, you say, well, is this really unhealthy? Uh, um, but then it's also kind of impressive that he can sustain um, at this pace. And I think even in the book, it said that, you know, sometimes he has like some anxiety or some kind of stomach pain because even though he's all out and even though maybe his mind can handle, handle this um, kind of things intellectually, you know, it doesn't mean that his body can too. Um, and it did say even in times that, you know, he had some times where he was depressed and maybe would stay in his office, like in the dark and things like that. Um, so I think, you know, on one hand, like, yeah, there are people that are super against Elon Musk for all these qualities, but then there, there is this part where I think we do have to also empathize with Elon Musk as like a real person that, you know, a lot of his intentions are really good. And maybe a lot of people, you know, don't understand him. A lot of the critics actually don't really, you know. Well, definitely. Me. He's, uh, he's a most certainly a real person like us. Yeah. And I think uh, this, uh, you know, risk, this uh, love of risk-taking, this thriving in a risky situation is just a psychological uh, trait that some people have and some people don't. For example, I don't definitely, I mean, I, I would never be able to live with uh, the tension that uh, he must be living with all the time. Uh, and it's an interesting thing is that I was discussing uh, Elon Musk with someone uh, a few weeks ago, and we were saying things like, uh, well, you know, he. I don't think he's that much more intelligent than me. He's certainly more intelligent than me, but uh, I don't think that much. I don't think that he's more uh, uh, committed to his idea. I don't think he's more hardworking. Um, I don't think he's uh, more whatever. Perhaps he's not even more lucky. So he's uh, a little bit different from us in many respects, and that is normal. But you know, the fact remains that he is Elon Musk, and we are not Elon Musk. So that you know, all these uh, special uh, uh, character uh, traits, all these uh, unique flavored combination, must amount to something. Is the combination of all these things that makes him Elon Musk. But having said that, yes, of course, he's a normal person like everyone. 
it is good to think that he is a normal person like everyone because it means that you know we belong to a species that can produce that kind of people and that is good to them very interesting and he is a big fan of science fiction um, he is Right, so he read like um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, is that correct? Um, one of his favorite books. And I think he reads a lot of the Ian Banks um, books as well. Yeah. Um, and it seems like, you know, he really kind of embraces these kind of future worlds and he kind of sees, you know, some of the like possible future endpoints of civilization. And he's thinking, well, how do we get from where we are now to being there in the future? Um, yeah, and that, that's a quite for me, interesting. Is enough, uh, is enough to forgive him for uh, every bad thing uh, that uh, you could think, and perhaps I could also think about him. I mean, I'm not uh, uh, blind to the flaws and uh, the shortcomings of Elon Musk. Well, he's a human being, so that, of course, he has flaws and he has shortcomings, he can be an asshole at times. But you can say that of everyone. We can all be assholes at times. Now, perhaps he can be even more of an asshole, even more frequently than other people. But, you know, these shortcomings are really nothing compared to what he is doing, which goes, uh, you know, in the direction that is important for uh, humanity here and now, for the future of humanity, perhaps for the future of the universe itself. Uh, I mean, a world with Elon Musk is much better than a world without Elon Musk. That's my final uh, everything that I can see about him. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, one kind of thing I was looking for in reading the book was about his relationships, like romantic relationships. I liked the stories. You know, I liked the the kind of stories about his marriages and I don't want to be moralistic or anything about this, you know. Um, you know, but I thought it was like kind of and kind of wanted to read like, you know, what are the like juicy details and, you know, what happened, you know, because, you know, in the book, it kind of says like he was married to this person and this person later and you know, these children, these children and, you know, his certain children react a certain way to him. And, and he has, I think, 10 kids or something like that. 10 something children. like that. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, a lot. And, and I imagine more to come probably, um, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was one thing that was very interesting, you know, in the book was how did the people closest to him actually, you know, respond to him? And I and I told I was telling my wife, like, you know, he might have flaws and he might have a lot of critics, but, you know, he still has partners and women are still attracted to him and want to be with him. Right. And, you know, probably find him very interesting and a captivating person. Um, so that says something. Right. By the way, uh, I didn't read those uh, uh, parts of the book uh, with too much attention. But, you know, the question I was asking myself was, are all of his uh, children uh, uh, born with IVF uh, techniques? Uh, because, you know, I have the impression that maybe, yes, at least... Uh, 
the last few of them and I was uh, wondering if he ever had uh, any kid uh, conceived with the old-fashioned technique. That's very interesting. Um, yeah, he has a lot of twins, so I think a lot of IVF. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this uh, um, is not that important. He's more than welcome to have uh, kids in uh, whatever way he likes. And yeah. uh, in fact, you know, the thing that he says that uh, it's good to have kids, that we should have more kids, that uh, the real danger for the future is not uh, overpopulation, but uh, underpopulation. The fact that in uh, Western societies, at least, uh, people are not having kids, that's uh, a very disturbing indication. And uh, I completely agree with him. That is a problem, and it's a problem that uh, we should address. Yeah. I'm just thinking about questions to ask you. Um, you know, if um, maybe if you like interviewed Elon Musk, um, what kind of questions would you want to ask him? about maybe some of his work or some of his companies or anything? Mm, Well, you know, uh, since uh, I am not a professional interviewer in the sense that I don't do this for a living, so I don't have to please uh, a big audience, uh, I would ask him uh, the things that interest me. As simple as that. And uh, the things that interest me um, in uh, Elon Musk's uh, world are, uh, you know, the articulation of his idea of how humanity should uh, become a multi-planetary civilization. I would ask a lot of questions, you know, what is a... What is your master uh, plan to establish your city on Mars? What is the role of the moon in the meantime? How you see humanity expanding into the solar system in the next few decades? And what are you going to do to make that happen? Um, so these kind of questions on the one hand and uh, longer term questions related to you know, the place of humanity in the vast cosmos, what he sees as uh, our cosmic future as a species, on the other hand. And I would ask him to link uh, these two trends of thought uh, with questions like, for example, how do you see your own efforts toward uh, spreading humanity into the solar system? in a wider uh, cosmic uh, context of uh, unlimited expansion of life and consciousness in the whole cosmos. I believe uh, he would have interesting things to say about that. Uh, But mm, he's not a philosopher. Mm, He thinks about these things, of course, and he speaks about these things but not really that uh, 
uh, deeply. I believe, for example, do you remember that conversation uh, about uh, the simulation hypothesis that he had a few years ago? I believe that was in the Joe Rogan's podcast. And he said that uh, there is uh, one uh, chance in billions that we are uh, at uh, what he calls the base level of reality, but it's much more likely that we are uh, NPCs in uh, some kind of computer simulation created in some kind of uh, higher dimensional reality by someone else. Um, and you know, he does not uh, uh, speak of these things like uh, a scientist or a philosopher that uh, has been thinking deeply about this for a long time, but he does uh. say interesting things, more like, uh, you know, a working man's philosophy. He doesn't have too much time for that, but given that uh, he does not have uh, too much time to think of that, he does have interesting intuitions. And his long-term intuitions are what I would be mostly interested in hearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think I would like to talk to him um, if I got the chance to ask him questions or meet him. I would want to ask him about his just his mentality, his way of thinking, uh, his approach to daily life, his management of tasks. You know, um, I would want to know his mindset. You know, he always talks about first principles, and I would like to know how he executes all of these ideas. Um, and people definitely do, you know, think differently um, or in different ways. Some people think in more terms of like narratives um, and stories, you know, but all people do, I guess. Um, other people think probably more logically than others or more rationally than others do. Um, so I would probably want to know, like, what is his own kind of approach um, in his own life? And then... Um, I found it really interesting because in a recent kind of forum that he did, um, you know, it was like last week, um, he was on a panel and someone asked him about longevity. And in the past, he would always say things like, you know, I don't think people should, you know, live forever um, or, you know, have, have a lifespan that's too long because we need to have the, you know refreshing of ideas and you know essentially that people need to die so the ideas can be refreshed and so you know older generations won't just like kind of have a stagnation of ideas maintain a stagnation of ideas um but then in this uh, forum recently said someone asked about longevity and he said that well you might have the option to not die like you might have the option to you know live as long as you want and That's, so I, I thought this was a slight deviation. Yeah. Yeah, it's surprising. Uh, you must send me the link to that uh, video. I'd like to watch it. Uh, he is not stupid. He's a technologist. So I guess uh, he... Uh, I mean, it seems to me that he has uh, the same attitude that I have, listening to what you're telling me. Things that I am, uh, you know, persuaded that uh, the option to living for a very long time, 
the option of not having an expiration date will be uh, will exist one day, not uh, not next year. Mm, I guess not even within this century. But you know, uh, technology and medicine and science are evolving toward a point where indefinite life uh, extension will be possible. And of course, uh, being a technologist, he sees that. He sees the progress in biotech, artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, now he has uh, Neuralink, so he must have been. Uh, he must be thinking at least about mind uploading, because that is a sort of the logical endpoint of all that Neuralink is doing. So he knows that that can happen, and um, it doesn't seem to be too interested in life extension here and now, which is exactly my case. I mean, I think it will happen. I think it will not happen in uh, useful uh, time for me myself and uh, you know I'm not uh, very focused on it perhaps because I have these other ideas about uh, mm, other options at uh, life after death and perhaps he has that kind of ideas as well but uh, you know, I believe we both think that life extension will happen but we spend the time thinking about mostly something else. But it's interesting that uh, he conceded that uh, indefinite life extension could be a good thing, because I have always heard him say the contrary. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, of course, I'm, like, happy about that, because um, I like a positive view towards longevity, of course. Um, you know, there's a lot of haters towards that. Um, like, for example, Brian Johnson is another guy that's getting a lot of hate these days for, you know, his meme of, like, don't die. Um, you know, so, yeah, big supporter of longevity. And I tend to, like, lean towards the, like, you know, kind of quantum mysterious possibilities after death. Um, as you talk about a lot, I think that's, you know, that seems, like, uh, exciting. Um yeah, I'm and, with um, Ella. a related um, a related point is this about the children. Is that I really do love that uh, Elon Musk is pushing this idea, which of course is very politically incorrect these days, that having more children is good. Because you hear so much bullshit about. Uh, you know, overpopulation, uh, sustainable development, and all that. And they say bullshit because uh, they completely miss the real big uh, picture, which is that, uh, you know, a society cannot continue to live without kids. See what has happened in China with this uh, one-child policy that uh, they had to reverse. Uh, and, uh, you know, having more people is good. If more people are too many for uh, planet Earth, well, uh, you know, that's exactly what you're saying. That's one of the many reasons why we must not remain confined to this planet forever. And uh, once uh, we have a galaxy filled with uh, 
trillions and uh, trillions of human beings, among which uh, thousands Einstein, thousands Picasso, you know, thousands of all the best that humanity has to offer. Come on, you cannot tell me that is a bad thing. It's a good thing, and it is one of the many reasons why spaceflight and becoming multiplanetary is important. I'm absolutely persuaded of that. Yeah, and I think we'd be missing out if we didn't talk about, you know, the portion of the book that talks about his relationship with his father and how that kind of shaped his his mentality and mindset. Um, because you see in the book how, you know, he, he, even, he goes and lives with his father, who's said to be quite, you know, abusive and manipulative in the book. And, you know, um, maybe gives, you know, he got some of his edge, you know, from that influence. Um, but you see that he gives his father, like, chance after chance after chance, um, you know, to, to have a relationship with him. But as of this time, when the book was written, he kind of, you know, maybe cut ties a little bit um with uh yeah his father so you know that is is a very interesting and i guess humanizing point as well um right um it is yeah and uh, as a matter of fact uh, it was the opening of the very first interview with isaacson uh, the very same day the book came out, that was the interview with Lex Friedman, very good one, and uh, they started with that. They started with uh, how his relation with uh, an abusive father shaped him. Now, you know, I don't know, doesn't everyone have some uh, unpleasant childhood memories? I believe everyone does. And uh, since uh, we are all human beings, again, and we are all vulnerable to self-pity, then I guess everyone uh, thinks of these uh, bad uh, childhood memories as uh, something more than what it actually was. Uh, you know, what I think, you know, he had uh, unhappiness problems in his childhood, like mostly everyone, at least like mostly everyone that I know of, perhaps except Walter Isaacson. He says in the same interview that he had a very happy Rare ones. childhood <laughs> in a place that he loved, and that's why he wants to give something back to his loving community and all that. Uh, but you know, the part of the book uh, about these things are not the parts of the book that uh, I was more interested in. I sort of assume that everyone has bad memories, and that's it. The important thing is, uh, you know, uh, what uh, you do in spite of those memories. Now, if those uh, bad things that happened to him when he was a child had really what uh, pushed him to become Elon Musk. Then uh, I must say, and asking uh, forgiveness to him, that I'm happy that he had those bad childhood experiences because those experiences gave us all 
give life on this planet, give humanity something that we all need, which is a person like Elon Musk. Yeah, um, well said. Um, and, you know, you know, I, like right now I'm listening to, you know, the um, audiobook of, you know, Walter Isaacson's uh, biography of Steve Jobs. Um, and I'm almost done with it. And, you know, we all know, you know, how people really mourned the loss of Steve Jobs. And he died in his early 50s, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, Elon Musk is, I guess... He was born in, his... in 56. He died in 11, so he was 55. Much, much too young. Right. And, and a, a, around the age that, you know, Elon Musk is now. And, um, you know, even though there's a lot of controversy about, you know, his flaws and questioning of his actions, you know, what do you think the reaction would be if he unexpectedly passed, a, passed away? I think the whole world would be mourning, mourning a genius. You know, they'd be like, oh, no, like, this is, this is terrible. This is a huge loss. You think some people would not feel that way? Unfortunately, I believe that many people would be happy. I don't. Uh, um, I don't like to say that, but yes, you know. Uh, in the long run, when they are writing history books, of course, they will uh, say that uh, Elon Musk uh, was a great man and one of those who really shaped this very important moment in the evolution of humanity. But uh, you know, I feel the weak following his death there will be so many people saying so many bad things about him and so many people saying that they are happy that he died uh it makes me unhappy but that comes back to that point that uh we had uh, we were discussing before well first um, many powerful uh uh, people hate him because of a very simple thing that he is uh, taking power and money from them as simple as that many people in the automotive industry in the legacy space industry politics uh, no they uh, their life is more difficult and they can make less money in a world with Elon Musk so that they hate him and they would like to see him dead. Now, unfortunately, he keeps saying and doing things that make easier for these haters to spread their hate to the masses. And... Uh, you know, with the ammunition that he gives them, they do manage to persuade people. And now you have large segments of the supporters of the cultural and political mainstream that hate Elon Musk. Simple as that. And he should do something. Uh, he should do something about it, and we should do something about it. He, maybe he should, uh, you know, have uh, a 
PR manager and the press office, like uh, politicians do, to uh, you know avoid making those kind of mistakes. That, for example, if you want to have a political uh, career, which is not his case, but those things that if you do want to have a political career can uh, destroy your uh, career. You should avoid that and you should perhaps have people in charge of it. That's what he could do. He and his uh, staff could do. But there is also what we can do. We normal people like you and I, which is uh, simply to support him. I had this conversation with Howard Bloom last year. And uh, at some point he told me that uh, one of the most important things that we all should be doing is to support Elon Musk and uh, uh, oppose the many people in the cultural world, in politics, in whatever, that are against him. Mm, you know, for example, as soon as I got uh, the chance I became a paying uh, subscriber of X. Uh, you know, not because I really wanted to get rid of 80 bucks, and not really because uh, being uh, a paying user of X gives too much added value to me, but simply because I want to voice my support of Elon Musk. And I think it's important that we all do all that we can to not only to support Elon Musk but to show our support of Elon Musk and that is because you know regardless of everything else what he is doing to make humanity multiplanetary is important and if we want to be a part of that I want to be a little part of that myself and um, I consider everything that every small thing that I can do to support Elon Musk I consider it as uh, a little contribution that I can make to our uh, future in the solar system and among the stars which is the most important thing to me yeah and I like that you take a lot of like uh, you know photos or pictures you know when there are some important uh, SpaceX launches and you like share them you know on your Twitter or social media and it's pretty cool um, I say that yeah, to and, me these things are like a religious service I watch right. a SpaceX launch like I watch mass and I'm very much looking forward to the first uh, to the second flight uh, test of Starship which unfortunately doesn't seem happening before the end of the year. But, you know, I watched the, the first one like I would watch Mass, and I'm going yeah. to watch the next one like uh, I would watch Mass, like, you know, a cathedral. The star base is a cathedral. It's a cathedral that reaches to the sky, full of, uh, you know, all uh, the wonder and... Uh, all the signs of the numinous that uh, our grandfathers used uh, to fill in the cathedrals of our history. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, is there anything, you know, 
that you felt was missing from the book? Is there anything that you, you know, some kind of stories or some information um, that you kind of felt could have been added, you know, to make it, you know? Let me think about that, but no, not really. Not really, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was quite complete. It talks about all the companies, uh, current and uh, past of Elon Musk. He talks of his family, his relationships, his life history, highlights. Uh, I think, uh, no, I think it was reasonably complete. And, you know, uh, Isaacson is uh, probably the greatest biographer of our time. At least his other biographies were great. Mm, I think the only ones that I haven't read so far are that of Leonardo da Vinci and that of Benjamin mm. Franklin. I want to read them <laughs> as well. But, you know, he is a professional who does a complete job. And I think he had a lot of access to Elon Musk, much more than his other biographers. I believe uh, he has been uh, seeing Musk very frequently and attending meetings and talking to his collaborator and family members and relationship for years. I know I think he has done uh, a good and reasonably complete job. Now, of course, uh, there is something missing from the book because uh, Elon Musk is only 52, I believe. And uh, I hope... Uh, he has uh, a very long and very productive life ahead. And I hope that uh, he will do many, uh, many other things for us. Mm. Um, interesting. Yeah, I think I would also enjoy hearing maybe some short stories about certain situations like i enjoy reading about oh they went to this restaurant and ate this or they took a flight here and he had this conversation like i love all the details um yeah maybe those things will be in the new biography of elon musk that isaacson or someone else will write in like 20 or 30 years Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was thinking about that, too. Um, what do you th think? Um, I have a far out, you know, question it is, you know, maybe we'll, you know, end sometime soon. Um, far out question. You know, if there was like, a, you know, super advanced uh, alien civilization or some, you know, super high tech, futuristic, um, you know, other civilization that had, you know, some quantum, you know, uh, capabilities and, and could see across space-time, you know, and they're on the other side of, you know, what people term as the singularity, or the, they're on the other side of, you know, landing on the moon, landing on Mars, you know, exploring, um, you know, outside of the solar system and other galaxies, you know, what do you think they would say about this time in our history? You know, what do you think they would say about, you know, Elon Musk or SpaceX or the attempt to build Starship? You know, what would their, what, what do you think their, their perspective what would be? What really advanced civilizations would say, you mean? 
Yeah, yeah. that's. Uh, or their analysis of of this is where they are right now. Yeah, a really advanced civilization is a civilization that uh, knows much, much, incredibly much more than what we know. Uh, one of the things they would know is that there are many life forms in the universe, and uh, that uh, every life form that reaches uh, technological maturity goes through a similar evolutionary phase that uh, we are living through now. They would know this. And uh, they would also know things about the nature of the universe. Now, this uh, is... Uh, a hunch based on what I think, but yes, perhaps advanced civilization have found out than what I think is true. And what I think is that there are universal forces that lift all forms of life, or most forms of life, out of their planetary cradles and uh, call them to play a role in the evolution of the universe itself. And uh, they would know that uh, those uh, larger universal forces have been at uh, play in the evolution of uh, those other civilizations that have become galactic civilizations. And perhaps they would say something like that uh, something like Elon Musk being a manifestation of these universal forces. In this sense, uh, yes, Elon Musk is a person like we all are. I like to say that when he sits on the toilet, he does exactly the same thing that we all do. But besides being a person, he is also a manifestation of these uh, cosmic forces that want us to expand outward. And perhaps really advanced civilizations out there would recognize this fact. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah, very beautiful. Um, yeah, very beautifully said. And I wonder if sometimes we just, you know, have very limited bandwidth um, that our sometimes our you know intellect has some cap um, and you know that we we really struggle you know with our abil ability to analyze things our ability to problem solve our ability to manage our biology and so we have this you know limited communication uh, communicative communicative bandwidth um, towards the development of humanity and um, it's kind of um, maybe Neuralink will change that. <laughs> that's exactly where I was going. That you know, one of Elon Musk's kind of pursuits is Neuralink to expand the bandwidth itself of of human communication, and then integrating it with AI, which he has also started a company to do so as well. So, I mean, you know, just his. You know, the contributions that he has made alone towards this kind of futuristic, 
you know, we could, some people say transhumanist kind of future, you know, it's just astounding. Um, And enough to make us forgive him for all the things that, uh, for all the bad things that he does like everyone else. Yeah, he could have done a lot worse things. Yeah. That's why I will uh, follow Elon Musk to hell if he wants to take me there. Sounds but good. I hope, uh, but I hope he will uh, take me or perhaps a younger person to Mars. I want to Definitely. see the beginning. I'm... I want to see the beginning of that. Yeah, th- that's one of my biggest hopes is, you know, seeing the moon landing, seeing the Mars landing. Um, you know, I just want to have like the biggest party ever, um, you know, on these occasions. You know, going back to this point that we we're discussing about how it would be to work for Elon Musk. I mean, I said that uh, it would be a nightmare, but uh, a nightmare that I would like to have. But some time ago, I thought that, you know, uh, as a matter of fact, it is the other way around. I don't have to work for Elon Musk because it is Elon Musk who works for me. Because, you know, he is spending all this time, he's spending all his energy, he's spending um, all his money, he's investing his uh, brain power, which is uh, greater than mine. He's doing all these things to achieve exactly what I want humanity to achieve. So from this perspective, he's working for me. Yeah, And he's working for you. And we must be very happy to have someone like Elon Musk as our employee. Definitely, definitely. It's a great time to be alive. And I pay him only 80 bucks per year. <laughs> That's a bargain, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. Do we have anything else important to say about this book? Mm. What was your experience, uh, you know, reading it? Um, yeah, did you go through it pretty fast? Did you get through it pretty fast? What did you feel? I think I read it very fast. Um, uh, yeah. I prefer reading to listening. And, uh, yeah, I usually read quite fast. Like, uh, you know, I can read a book like that in uh, two days uh, without going too much in depth. So I usually read a book very fast and then read it again, uh, going uh, through the parts of the book I liked more, uh, more uh, carefully and taking a bit more time. Would you recommend it to others? Most certainly, yes, I would. Uh, if uh, one, uh, you know, doesn't want to put uh, the time reading the book needs or the money, then just, uh, you know, 
follow Elon Musk on X, interact and get involved. You don't want to miss the opportunity to be a small part of what he is doing, which is, I want to say that uh, again, uh, the most important uh, task that uh, we face now is to begin our expansion to the stars. Mm. And he is the main force doing that. Yeah, and I, I hope that I, you know, kind of persuaded you more to play Polytopia. And if you want, you can feel free to play against me. Um, we can see, you know, how that game game uh, goes. Um, you know, but I really hope, you know, that there there will be, you know, a next generation, future generations of, you know, more people that carry on, you know, this kind of spirit of adventure, of enthusiasm, of, you know, taking risks that we see um, in Elon Musk, but also doing it scientifically, you know, um, and, you know, morally. I mean, I, I see him as a very moral, very ethical person, but, you know, as we've say, said, we're, we're all human and uh, we do have our flaws. Um, just for me, my flaws are, you know, on a, you know, have a very small scale of maybe effect, um, you know, compared to him. Um, but yeah, I do hope that in the future more people will carry on, you know, the spirit that we see uh, in a lot of his activities. I do hope that there will be thousands of Elon Musk in the years and generations to come.